playoffs and everything. And, mm. But I saved all my receipts and I wrote all that shit down and I may as well. I spent a lot of money making Trash Pit City a thing that doesn't do much. So everybody go to Trash Pit City. Dot com, buy some trash <laughs> bugs, hire me to do some shitty drawings for you, and this is Is It Worse Than 311, coming to you, not really live, but close to live, we're pre-recording day of now, uh, that's that's what we're doing, that's how we do this, and this one, this week, we got a week, we did a week thing, a week, we did it in a week, oh boy, we're talking was- about Bell and Sebastian, this is a Robert pick, of course, Oh Obviously. my god! First, first album right away. Like, god damn it, Robert! <laughs> the first three albums, I was just like, "Oh, this is some folky fucking Robert stuff right here." But uh, you know, I didn't think about because we did last week with with Stokes and Ty, and we did Sublime, but we went and did all of Sublime, and it kind of threw us out of our rhythm because we were trying to do this every two weeks so that we had. Two weeks to listen to a full discography, and then in the week in between, we did the short episode with like a, an album or or a review of some kind, right? But I, mean, I fucked us up by bringing those guys in here, uh, fucking talking about one of the worst ska punk reggae bands I've <laughs> ever fucking listened to. Reggae? Uh, I mean, it just really made me want to slam it, jam it, ram it again, kablamming it, ram it again, right down my fucking throat till i died uh so i didn't unnecessarily i listened to all of, all of bell and sebastian but i didn't i don't feel like i got to take it in yeah i, just, I feel that way it felt rushed to me um i did i'm in portugal it. so robert's in portugal still <laughs> so i have had a lot of not time uh, a lot of not time right i've not had a lot of time so i did my best to get through the late catalog stuff which is the stuff i don't know sadly that's the stuff i wish i would have spent more time on yeah i, I agree i agree um, with that. but i did make it through all the yeah. albums i mean there's 10 there's technically 10 full lengths and then i also listened to the collected eps of their last whatever the last four years whatever that is like human being problems are real problems or something i don't remember yeah. exactly the name of it it's something like that something twee like that because that's what this band is is that but, what they um, call this? Is twee? I th- yeah, it's so funny because uh, so so I picked this band because I know them decently, but mostly their early catalog, and I was curious to see what they were up to in the last say ten or fifteen years. They're they're from the nineties, right? So they started in ninety six was when they released their first stuff, and it was like college age, right out of college, maybe even master's program stuff. But I feel like they played together for a couple years before that. And then, like, they got pretty big in the mid-2000s. I think that's when I first heard them. And up to about 2006, which is maybe album six or seven, that's all I know of them, really. And so I was like, what have they been up to for 15 more years? Because they're still a band. And really, like, if that was their peak, like, what are they doing? So I'm glad that we we did this. If there's anything, that's what this fucking, this podcast is about. You know, it's going... Sure, we like tearing apart 90s bands and, and shit that you hear on the radio for it has all the nostalgia, but what we really want to do is listen to some music we haven't heard or maybe we're unfamiliar with, bands that have developed over time, and, and we get to take it all in and we get to process it and compare it as a whole to itself. It's, that's, that's what we're here to do. And so yeah. that's, that's great that that's why you picked this movie. Oh, man, Robert. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I'm torn. I was so I'm, angry. 
I'm torn. <laughs> I'm like 50-50 cuz I really really like some of this. And then at some points I'd be like, "Oh, this is still on in the background." And and I think more than anything what I can my real job, my job, my side job other than the art and the podcast and the music and all that shit is I bartend at a uh upper class outdoor shopping center, a cafe slash craft cocktail bar in a fucking shopping center. And all I Perfect see... Perfect music. I put this on and was like, I can listen to this entire discography right here in this outdoor rich person mall while it's making ri- martinis. It's, I mean, it is like, it's callback music to like sunny you know california beach pop and i mean even like easier to listen to like velvet Un- like velvet underground is a thing but like their albums are at this point are pretty accessible you know like it's this it's it's like church organs uh horns and 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 violins all over three chords you know twee literally the definition of twee is three chords like twee is three chords it was so funny because when we were talking about this and I'm, I'm bringing this up is as it's relevant twee music is meant to be a simple sort of push forward that's like glossy and pretty and shiny on top of pop, of punk rock like and that's not their punk obviously they're not punk but like it, it has a very particular like cutesy boyfriend girlfriend like almost emo-y lyrics you know but not exactly sort of story based um, and three chords that you build off of. And I, it's fucking hilarious because me and Crowder have been sort of, you know, talking about it a little bit this week. And Crowder would uh, say something like fucking three chords. They are playing three chords like shit. And all they do is get their friends who are better at them than at a, music, at a p- particular instrument and throw that on top. And I was like, well, technically that's the genre. So <laughs> I did it. That's what they do. <laughs> it's so, funny as shit. I didn't really know that that was the definition, but I read I, it and I was like, all right, you like, oh, ain't wrong. Okay. Yep, cool. I'm glad I nailed that then. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, all right, this band, I, I think they had, they were doing some stuff before 1996, but their debut is Tiger Milk in 1996. Um, I actually liked this album. It started off and I was a little iffy about it. Uh, the simplicity of the songs is, it was a little... I got not ex- unexpected, but but not not exactly thrilling to me. But this what this album struck me as like, a, oh, this is a pretty cool like, you know, chilled out alternative '90s background music kind of thing. Like I can I can get into it. It's 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 okay. Uh, nothing stand out in any way for me, except for maybe electronic res- renaissance, which. Uh, early, probably one of their earliest attempts to do incorporate electronic uh, drums and electronic music into this style, and 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 I think it's really the, kind of fun that it's thrown in there because it lets them do it later, to whatever avail that may be. We'll get to that, uh, and and you don't really get that on the next two albums after that. So when we talk about when you said I was like, man, it's three chords and it's just get your friends to oh i got a synthesizer i'm gonna let you strum these fucking three chords on your folk song and then fucking after a chorus i'm gonna come in with my synthesizer while you're still strumming those same chords uh it just had like a very basic minimalist uh open mic type of like i'm showing these songs around town right now 
just shopping them, just workshopping on them. You know what I mean? These are my my songs on my guitar. This is me as a person. And those first three albums sound like a folk singer that brought in a band, you know? And I don't think that's bad, but I think that the first album captures that as like an alternative folk project better than the next two. That was most mostly my thing, and I felt like it kind of he, they kind of petered out and got kind of lazy, and like maybe he was like, I got all these like Bob Dylan esque songs, but with worse lyrics. If you can well, imagine worse lyrics and Bob. Those Dylan. other two were where I was like, oh, like, and that's where later on when, uh, when they weren't as I referred to myself as like, wow, they're not drawl and strummy anymore. Like it, it just, there was a point in those albums where it was just like, yes, okay. It's just constant. But the first one, I, I'll admit like the first few tracks, I was very like, of course, Robert picked this band, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will agree that the first one I think did was like, okay, there's some, yeah, I can, I can do things like in the background. Like I can see where this is, but uh, yeah, and it got just continuously droll and strummy from there until another point, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. I the- think it's, well, go ahead. The three albums I think are are well. I think the three albums that we're talking about. Um, uh, if you're feeling sinister and fold your hands, I believe, and uh, the first Tiger Milk album. Tiger Milk is, in fact, what you described it as, and to me, as an album that hold it holds itself together oh. actually very well as an album of dudes that just got together and made this music, and then like we're shopping it around. Tiny Jeepster, I think, was the name of the label. Mm-hmm. We're like shopping their music around and like local radio was like, all right, actually you Scots got this shit down where we like this music. And like, if you're, if you look at the release dates for, if you're feeling sinister and tiger milk, it's the same year. So those two albums come okay, out together yeah. and then fold your hands comes out in 98. So well, like those three uh, albums really are strapped too. No. Sure. But that's number four, I think. And that uh, one, I still, isn't that number other, four? No, that's oh, no, the that other way around. Three. Okay. Boy, oh, yeah. with the Arab strap. My bad. My bad. So, yeah. I mean, it's 98 and then maybe 2000. But so those mm-hmm. three, I think of sort of interconnected. And I think you're right. I mean, Tiger Milk is one of my favorite albums from this band. It established this is their style. Um, it has the sort of, you know, like very quiet in the background organ, always sort of floating around eerily. They have these moments where there's like these sweeping um, violins that's, that come through like the wind and then, you know, blow away. Never and then, forget uh, the trumpet. But I feel like the trumpet's not as present on the first album. But no, it's it, on like one song though where it comes in. They they love yeah. using the trumpet in a very French pop style, and I actually really like that. Where like it'll get to a point also just be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it feels like you're outside of a French cafe. It feels like you're in a tight street in Europe somewhere. It. I mean, I think that they successfully. I mean, also you have to think this is 1996. Like, yes. this is the year that Sublime Self-Titled came out. Dog, are you kidding me? This music would have been a breath of fresh air. What else comes out in 1996? Like, this music in context, in the years it was released, was something that was like, whoa. Other people are not calling back the music of this era at this point in this way. So, like, I'll, I like that about them. I'll even a- go as far to say Tiger Milk, maybe not uh, Arab Strap or, or Sinister or whatever the hell. Uh, the Tiger Milk has some... A keyboard usage, some synthesizer sounds and some electronic mm. sounds that were not as prevalent in 1996 that that I found. I was like, oh, that's a 
that's a neat sound. What do you guys got there? What is that? You know, what's what's that keyboard you're playing? I know it's not a MIDI thing. It's probably not a MIDI thing. Well, that's and, really interesting to me. I mean, also, you know, like it. Ha- I mean, it really does feel like nostalgia music, and it feels dusty, and like you would pull it out of a like, like you said, French pop music from the '60s and '70s, like Serge Gainsbourg or something. Like no. not as experimental as Serge Gainsbourg or something, but I mean, like in like oh, sort yeah. of bubblegum. Similar bubblegum ways. I, I feel but, like it's it's very much like uh, the indie band that's like, check it out. I got my, you know, like, I don't know if you ever do this, but like when you're like 15 or 14 or 15, somebody gets their dad's record collection <laughs> and they fucking drop it on you. And they're like, check this fucking out. We got to listen to fucking look. My dad's my dad was fucking big stoner back in the day, dude. He's got all the velvet underground. He's got this fucking. Kept Commander Cody fucking record, you know. He's got fucking Sticks and Serge Gainborough, you know. The whole yeah. there's there's Ted Nugent, there's fucking Frampton, fucking there's some other shit that you've never heard of. That's just like crazy psychedelic off the wall. So uh, this is definitely more hipster dad though. Oh like, yeah, they got that 60s 70s. They're shooting for that S- singer songwriter. Uh, that that era of music too, sixties and seventies. I think what most people fail to take into consideration is that that's when people just like regular. I play a guitar and I'm trying to do cocaine and get laid, dudes. Yep. Started putting out their own music. They started doing the writing. You know that was when it was right. okay at that point. This isn't like nineteen fifties, nineteen forties where. You're literally stealing music from the blues musicians that you went down to the fucking bayou to fucking record. Yeah. And then bringing it back yep. up and giving it to the white guy that shakes his hips. Like, this isn't that anymore. This is, we're trying to find any stoner jackass that can strum three chords to fucking put him on the record label. And then this is the kids listening to that. And trying to reiterate, kind of taking what they heard, you know, taking the parts and using it. Um, I, I think it's, it's done well in that manner and it's, it's really interesting, uh, as far as tiger milk that they do that. And then they kind of get boring for a second. And I actually think fold your hands. Was that the name of it? What's the full name? Of yeah. That fold your hands. Fold like, your uh, hands. God, it's so long. Yeah, it's a ridiculous one. Fold your hands, child. He walked like a peasant. God, yeah, God. Well, can we can we dial it back just one second? Yeah, about let's, yes, we should. Boy with the Arab strap, like there's a it's, few things that go on with that that are just a little weird. <laughs> we you should we should definitely go back to that because that's one of their most popular albums, I think, too. Uh, well, aside from some of the the music, well, one being, I swear to God, when I first looked at the track, I thought it was called Chicken Fucker, but it was not. <laughs> <laughs> you there, Chicken but, Fucker. But uh, the whole thing of what an Arab strap is, and then also how they got the name, is very interesting. <laughs> I, I didn't. Well, I did not so, look that up. But so but there was I a, just. Oh, oh yeah. no! I mean, I, explain. I want you to explain what an Arab strap is. But they're referencing another band. That's what I was just saying. Because yeah, where okay. they got the name was from another band. But even that band was like, "Hold up, why are you?" Yeah. But like, uh, so the what band. So the band. There's another Scottish band called Arab Strap. Who I actually think I enjoy more, but I don't know that with complete but, certainty. So an Arab Strap basically is a like a, a male anti-erection-like like device. 
Like the, to tr- yeah, so that you're oh. you know because uh, being aroused is is oh. pretty bad in most religious contexts. So yeah, <laughs> so it's designed so to then, keep your penis so then, from becoming erect. <laughs> yep. So then there's the it's band like- called Arab Strap, which toured uh, with Bell and Sebastian. And so when they did this, he was just like willy nilly, like, oh, is an homage to like, like the band we played with, which the band also, the, the singer was like, uh, it's fucking weird, man. Why would you name our album, like your album with our band name in reference to that? Cause like a, then people misunderstood as it being a collaboration album, you know, that kind of thing. So there was that side of it. And then the fact that it was unbeknownst to him what the actual name meant. So now, uh, oh, I did not know any of that. Actually, so, I thought that so they were on good terms. Those two bands, they were, but they the that album specifically, the uh, the singer for uh, Arab Strap. Uh, you can you can read the quote. He he wasn't saying it bad, but he was just definitely very like kind of like you do that. Why would you name your album with our band name in it? You know, like it, if we're not having any collaboration, if we're not doing anything with it, like that was it, like. So he was very like, uh, that's a little weird. But then even more so that the fact that Homeboy didn't even know what their band name was in reference to. Or was in reference. We're yeah. going to have to do Arab Strap, dude. <laughs> look, <laughs> I want to know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about uh, what gets my rocks off or my kinks or any of that. But I, I will say this. Uh, Bell and Sebastian it does not get me aroused. So... <laughs> I mean, so they they themselves are an Arab strap, then, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I think I don't think he needs to justify using using that as a name. Uh, that's this album has has the uh, is is a lot of this. This album is like the main was the point where I was like, come on, if you just give me like a simplistic fucking guitar thing, like I get you guys are gonna fucking give me a vibe. You're gonna give me a groove. You're gonna get locked into this thing. That you're going to continue through your song. I get that that's how you are, and that's fine. That's a, That can work in a lot of instances, and does for them. But this is the point which I was like, this 70s, I want to move to fucking uh, New York and fucking become a folk singer vibe shit is fucking wearing on me. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they're just like, hey, what about a space boy dream? Oh my god. And I'm like, yeah, no, please explain about that. Why did that happen? What the fuck? And then it goes like flow. Like, it's like this weird, like, I don't remember exactly what kind of rhythm it is. It's not like a mambo. It's not like it's like Calypso or something. It's like kind of got like a little like Latin salsa type of thing going on, you know, but it's not because it's these Scottish indie people. And then it goes into the next song and the next song is like, okay, anyways, back to that singer songwriter shit we were doing. It's confusing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I feel it like bought, the song it bought. goes into is one of the better songs off that album, Dirty Dream I number two. So. Like starts off with some strings and like it's like sort of like plays to his uh uh mundane lyric, mundane voice, his like whispery, like uh, like like sighing at you voice that he has, you know? Like it <laughs> actually like just... it's like he like he's almost got a lisp all the time that he's trying to like, you know, like cover up, but like you know it... He doesn't express himself properly with his vocals in these first three albums. It's a, it's okay. Like I said, Tiger Milk's okay, but he's very, 
I'm just gonna kind of be in this register the whole time. I was gonna Here say, I he doesn't am. change. Like, there's no, like, that emotion with whatever he's saying. It's just the right. same monotone Which flow. Which changes yeah. and, and fold your hands, I think. Yep. That it he's, does. He's, he's an understated dude and whispery to me. Like, it's not, like... I think that a lot of the music too, like, is his melodies. You know, like when you like, you'll hear him sing the melodies, and then when he leaves, like, the horn comes in exactly the same way he does it, but it's a horn, mm-hmm. so you're like, ah, oh, tight. But like, I think that like he's the primary songwriter. So in the first two or three albums, he's the primary songwriter, and then on the next album, uh, Peasant, uh, you walk like a peasant. He sort of steps away, and I think in storytelling too, and like. That's when other all some people argue they're like they they fall off a little bit. Wrong. Uh, Isabel Campbell dips out in two thousand two, which I think is storytelling. But like, um, it, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, you got to get Stuart Murdoch back on the on the writing abilities," and it's like, eh, you know, that's a preference. Like, that's a very he has a very specific style. Like, I know it's Bell and Sebastian if the shit comes on. And, I, and, like, not knowing the whole catalog before. If you put a Bell and Sebastian song, I'd be like, yeah, it's Bell and Sebastian. Which, like, I mean, is impressive in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have a sound. I couldn't yep. tell you that. I, one of my things when I first started listening to this, and because those first three albums bothered me uh, a little bit. Especially after listening to Tiger Milk and being like, oh, this might be a cool, like, 90s alt band. I might be like into this, and then like it kind of like dips a little bit. New versions um, of this of the of all that of that album, like every right. so- album is like a retake, but like slightly differently done. Well, and slightly yeah. more stripped back, and slightly like less involved. Oh, but, oh wait, wait, can I real quick? Hey, does this guy sing about incest a lot? <laughs> is he? I mean, I don't know. I, He's I don't Scottish know. and all, but I uh, <laughs> like. The, uh, just Tiger Milk. I think the first first song is something about his brother coming out oh. and saying he was in love with him, but he loves his sister. Baker remembers something, yeah. Or something like that. And then there's like another song in another album where I heard something about his sister. And I feel like he's... I feel like none of these are stories about him. Like, I feel like he sings songs about things. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like... He's not like... just, like, on his mind, you know? Just things that he's been thinking about. Like, maybe, maybe like, banging his brother and his sister. Like, maybe he just fucks his family. Is it so bad if you don't have children that way? Does it matter? (laughs) Oh, man. I think it's gross. I'm not trying to defend incest, but, you know... No, I mean, I I don't know... I didn't notice those lyrics. I always... (laughs) Think of it as quaint, like, boyfriend-girlfriend stuff where he's, like, noticing someone getting picked on or bullied at school, you know, like, or whatever. Sure, 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 yeah. You know. I'm just saying, you're out there raising sheep. You know, you get get lonely, you get bored, and if you're not breeding, I mean, I don't got to deal with it. I don't got to see it. It's just a little, (laughs) it's just flesh at that point, you know? Uh I mean, it's if the guy if the guy from, no. from this band wants to have sexual relations with his family members, especially if he's not committing them, it's probably is it better or worse than the bestiality from a from a Scotman Scotsman's point of view? This is just oh awful. my god, this is Where just did... so bad. I, oh I'm, my god. I'm kidding. 
I should not be making these jokes. They are not appropriate at all. Deep cuts. I do not. I do not Crowder's think deep the people cuts. from Scotland infect fuck sheep or their family. <laughs> there is some weird lyrical content in some of these songs. That's all I'm saying. That's. I think that's fair. Did I just get canceled? Is that, no, <laughs> I don't think so. No, man. You gotta like casually drop the n bomb, and even then, Spotify will just pay you like. $200 million for your show, so. Dude, I'll say Nokia all day long. I'll say Nokia, all Nokia, day long. Nokia. <laughs> well, Spelled technically, gnarly G. starts with a G, so. But it sounds like it starts with an N. <laughs> so. Charles Barkley? Oh, Narlile. Narwhile. 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 Yep, Nardwar. I used to work with a guy that was in a band called the Mighty Narwhal. I was, I, you know, I liked the music okay. You remember the night of Mighty Narwhal, Robert? I don't know. Like Grand Rapids that... band. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe. They would play they... occasionally with like uh, the Feigning Generals. Do you remember the Feigning? Generals? I remember the Feigning Generals. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are they all, uh, were they all founders circumference bands? No, not necessarily. Uh, technically, um, the Narwhal ended up being a founder circumference band after they had already broken up. One of the members worked there, and that's how I knew about them. Uh, and technically, Feigning Generals was like... Were you Within friends the... with them? Did we open for them? Yeah, a couple times. Okay, all times. right, all right, all right. That's why I know them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, That's why I know them. That that was, at the time, their lead singer was uh, involved with the lead singer of Chance Jones, who I worked with at Founders, who also worked with the guy from uh, Mighty Narwhal or whatever. Okay. The band was called. Right. So, Feigning Generals wasn't... A founders related thing, but their partner at the time. So they're adjacent. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> Got you. Right. Got you. And technically, there was a point where where the the mighty narwhal people were adjacent, but then they got sucked in. <laughs> Dude, the it's, Grand, it's Grand Rapids, Rapids music it's scene. A, it's it was back then. It was. I don't know what it's like now. I haven't been. Uh, last time I was involved in it, it was annoying, and I just stopped playing. But there were uh, th- there were only two bands that I wanted to hear in Grand Rapids at any given time, and they were both basically post rock. One was called Paucity, which they were from Founders. Their first album yep. was actually a lot of fun. And then Charles the Osprey was a drum and bass duo that like kicked ass, and they were just like interesting. And I don't think they sang like there's just a it was just instrumental. And I was like, these guys are tight. Um, there was one more, like a post-punk band, and I played with some of those dudes. I can't remember the fucking name of it, but it was, ah, it was a decent fucking Grand Rapids band. I can't think of the name of it. They only did like two albums. I mean, Mustard Plug's the band, right? Like in my head, like Mustard Plug is like, I mean, honestly, there's a kid that went to high school with me who ended up in the Philly scene and plays with like Waxahachie and shit and is like in the indie scene. Like dudes named after uh, a very particular like, um uh mechanic in town he w- used to be called cookie bumstead in high school and he became radiator hospital and like 
he gets reviewed on oh. Pitchfork. Like he they is from hospital. Yeah, yeah. Like he's from Grand Rapids, and but he's in the Philly scene. So he's like with all those like, I like a bunch of these fucking like cool Philly punk bands and indie bands and shit. And like that's the like the most famous band that I was softly affiliated with that I know of from Grand Rapids. But mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm like most. Than- Mostly Other the scene was, like, plug. Jesus stuff and, like, you know, like, shitty ska and fucking <laughs> shitty, like, like, like high school bands that were, like... Hey, like, dude, don't talk there. about Circus Pig that way. That's not how <laughs> Circus Pig was, okay, brother? Like, there's there's the Jesus bands and the, like, kids... There's the 16-year-olds that, like, just did their thing and you're, like, cool. And then there were the adults that you're, like, why are you still playing that? Like, not- <laughs> there was There was... Like a crossover also with the Screamo bands for a minute there. The Screamo oh. bands died out in the last like fifteen years. No, sure. what's the fa- a there's a there, famous there was, one? What's this? There's, there's the a famous one? one. It's like me without you or some shit. One of those like really famous like talk at you emo groups comes from Grand Rapids. What are they uh-huh. called? It's uh, something like me without you. Close enough. But what like, was minus? What was the the bear? The band? The like uh, bear band? versus shark or something. Were were they Grand Rapids? I thought they, they were, were from place. like they were from Michigan, and I think they were affiliated with somebody down there. But I don't know if they were exactly from Grand Rapids. But so wait, is Radiator Hospital the most most famous Grand Rapids indie band? Or is Anthony Kiedis is the most famous. I don't know. Uh, Al Green. Fuck oh, that's man. way better. That's so much better. Yeah. He's not. T- he only lived there for a little bit. Uh, well, so, but I mean, Anthony Kiedis, I think, is from Grand Rapids. Like, well, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy sucks. He's a, probably a pedophile, according to the two of you. I didn't listen to his music probably or do any of his research, but his dad is. Uh, yeah, I, I will say this also. Back to the singer from Chance Jones, uh, Mr. Joshua Burge was trying to get a statue of Al Green in Grand Rapids for a long time because he was like, "Come on, we need something. We can't just be like Anthony Kiedis grew up here and fucking." Maynard James Keenan went to school here for like a year. Like we gotta, we can't have that. Uh, and he was trying to get a statue, a bronze statue of Al Green, and and the Reverend, the good Reverend Al Green, uh, refused. Refused. <laughs> was like, please do not put my statue in that fucking city. <laughs> That's fair. It's a kind of it's it's weird living there for so long. It's like really conservative. Like like they're they're young kids that I went to school with. They're liberals that sort of stuck around. But like, I think that it like pushed out quite a few of them. So it's still just a conservative town run by the DeVosses and the Van Andels. And everyone knows who the DeVosses are now. If they didn't before, because of. Uh, Give them a gun, they can shoot the bears, you know, Betsy DeVos shit during the Trump years. But before that, they were just regular rich people hiding their billions of dollars, probably in Credit Suisse or whatever. And like, you know, hiding their illegal... Oh, capitalism. So, okay, where were we? Fold (laughs) your hands like a peasant. Fold your hands, you fucking peasant. I don't talk to the fucking peasants. Whatever this (laughs) album's called. Uh... I, this is when I started. I felt like this This was more going back to Tiger Milk, making Tiger Milk a better, more thought-through album. I thought the production got better here. The vocals got better. And apparently, so what you're saying is this is where they started bringing in, letting everybody else write. That it was like, okay, we got through my songbook that I've been playing at open mics for way too long, so now we can start doing new shit is pretty much it, Yeah. I mean, that's the impression I got 
uh, from my, my like read. It. No, that was Mighty Boss Tones, wasn't it? <laughs> it <laughs> that was Mighty Boss Tones, yes. The impression <laughs> I get. I have, you know, I never had to knock on wood. I knew someone that had. <laughs> Makes me wonder if I could. <laughs> the fuck? We should cover. We, God damn it. Yeah, there we go. It's a can but, of worms. I think that's one of those bands that we can't get to because there's not enough albums. And uh, Stokes was actually saying we should do one hit wonders. That might be a good in between, like mid month thing going True. forward. Cause, yeah, cause like that, dude who di- who let the dogs out, like the whole album. Bahama. Cisco. Big sad. Real quick, though. About who let the dogs out. Have you seen the documentary about who let the dogs out? No. I think I talked about it last year. Yeah, on the you show did. Even. It's fascinating. Fucking amazing. It's so fucking. They cannot figure out who wrote it. And it, it like it what? like changes country and changes time period as to who wrote the fucking song. And uh, like it kind of comes down Intrigue. to it. Being like a interpretation of like a classic chant, basically, to some degree. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy. There's like six, six, seven different people that are like, "Oh yes, I wrote who let the dogs out." Oh, I know Baja men are the ones that are famous for it, of course. But I wrote who let the dogs out. Here's woof. my recording woof, woof. that goes who, 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 who. Jesus. And here's there. So goes, here we come full whoa, circle whoa. back to Vanilla Ice. Uh, oh, <laughs> Bell and Sebastian is better than Vanilla Ice. Oh, um, yeah. I, I, I kind of like this album. I kind of like this period. This is where we're getting into the stuff that I could get into. That I could be like, that's nice to put on in the background. Have a little glass, glass, glass of brandy. Have a little sip. Sit and think, you know, listen to the sounds. They're better at their instruments by album four too. Like I mean, yes, like some of these people the thing. they they I feel like they miss they they literally like it's not like horribly off generally speaking, but occasionally during like like one of the things that they do is that sort of down to up sweeping uh violins and keyboards and horns and you're like, Whoa, brother, you sure you got that note right? you know? Uh <laughs> And uh, it, it's it can it can be jarring. I think that uh, if you're like lo- listening closely to it, a lot of times they're small and tiny and far away. You know, like that organ sound is almost always like really far in the background while another keyboard is playing. Like keys are playing, right? And then there's an mm-hmm. organ sound, and you're like, wait, there's two. Di- that's two different keys because that cannot be those keys that are super clean and polished. Like, what is going on there? You know. But yeah, every once in a while, I was like, yeesh. But I, I, I mean, I like this band up and up until Life Pursuit. But anyways, yes, this is a. I mean, but well, that's actually really close to where I like this band up till, and this is the beginning. This is the first album. Like I said, I like Tiger Milk as a 90, 1996. These people want to play French pop. Oh, shit, like go for it. That's great, cool. But I didn't like the, I, I got real tired of it real quick. And this is the point in which I heard it I was like, oh, you know what? Like he's using, he's not just singing kind of up here, not quite high, <laughs> yeah. but not quite low. You know, he, he drops down. He also like some, there's some like, whoa, like he actually sweeps through his vocal range on occasion. He expresses a little more passionate. 
Yeah. yeah. You can hear it. And better recorded, too. Yes. The first three are definitely feel like lo-fi. Not like, they're not, but they're like closer to lo-fi than they are to like well-produced. This also because uh, the storytelling gets pulled back a little bit, a little bit. This is the period in which we're going into is that where the, the storytelling isn't quite there. So it isn't so much just like here's three chords and now hey, I knew a guy one time. He was uh like a postman. And then he met a girl, and I felt something about it. And she was a postwoman. And they had post-children. They did something weird, like, I don't know, maybe got into S&M or something edgy like that that I just threw in there to make you pay attention again. But here we go. I'm singing still and strumming. My friend's going to play the organ now. That was There was like three albums of that. I feel yeah. like I should have I should have my ukulele here for this episode. Give me a second. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I like their I like their uh sort of whimsical sad keyboard songs like the ones where like like uh, it's a nice day for a sulk or something which is yeah, on this album. Um, those Wait, kinds of songs. N- like so, on this album, I was I was saying that like one of the things that I like about this band is like there's like the fox and the snow on if you're feeling sinister and on Tiger Milk the song is called We Rule the School. There's just like these songs that are sort of like sad piano ballads that are like slow and repetitious, and I actually think that his voice in any format works really well because it's sort of just like. Cr- whisper cry over like an easy keyboard piano thing and it'll be like sort of a moving up and down song but mostly down in a minor key and like that's the kind of stuff where i'm like yeah dude give me more bell and sebastian like that but like i think they do a good job of sort of oscillating between these sad songs and these like hopeful whimsical songs where they're like you know having a discussion about whether or not like uh their girlfriend or boyfriend is gay and is mike piazza gay or whatever like whatever weird stupid tweet thing he's singing about at any given moment you know um but like i think that it kind of comes into its own in this period too storytelling it is a is a soundtrack and i don't think like i'm Listening to that one, I'm not going to even... I don't... I'm, sure, it's an album, but, like, is it uh, an album? I, uh, I enjoyed it. I think it's good. Well, it took me a second, because, like, as I'm listening to it, I'm like, all right, what am I missing here? Because like, just based on title tracks and flow of the album, I was like, all right, this sounds very score-ish. Like, what, like and then uh, with some uh, actual, like, lyrical content sprinkled in and then occasionally and then it yeah. threw me for a fucking loop when paul giamatti was on there and i'm like what the fuck why are you having this weird ass album and then have a paul giamatti fucking like uh sample so then i was like all right i gotta i gotta read up on this and that's when i was like oh it's a soundtrack <laughs> i'm ridiculous <laughs> it just made me go okay and then from there it was a little bit more like Okay, see what's going on because it yeah it definitely had that flow and that's why I was like all right in the car before I knew that it, it felt like it was a soundtrack or something that there's a, some context that I'm missing so I put it on at work for the first time 
not knowing. And it was like, oh, that's a vocal sample or something. What's happening right now? Yeah. What's, uh, oh, wait, wait, this is getting weird. I don't think the customers want this. This is a little too collage What's it? Ha- yeah. Oh, it's a soundtrack. Oh, I see. Oh, my bad. My I was bad. like, as soon as it was like Consuelo leaves, I was like, what is going <laughs> What? <laughs> But it's a Wait, good soundtrack. No, like, it's, it's not. Like, I mean, yeah. like, it, like, is it not the it. kind of stuff that I like? You know, like that kind of you throw some weird chopped up shit in there. I like that shit. It draws I, attention to some of their strengths, you know, like because he's not singing, it draws attention to the musicality of the band. Yeah. And so honestly, it reminds me of an of of the muse, the, the score side of Eternal Sunshine, which I fucking love by uh, John Bryan. That shit is dope. Like, it's very, like, puts you in a space, in a mood. Like, knowing the movie makes it better, but, like, if I heard that album on its own, I would still be like, this is, like, dramatic, like, it's thoughtful. There's no words, and so, like, you have to feel it, and it just, like, puts you in a space, and they do that very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one, uh, sorry, the one thing about me being at work was I did look at this, this, the track listing, and I was like, I saw the words, fuck this shit. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, no. Oh, fuck. Is this something like shouldn't be playing in a public space right now? And it was playing at the time. And then I realized, like, oh, no, it's just really cool. Somber, like, like, yeah. Harmonica. Mm -hmm. I really liked it, too. And it's a good name for a song. Good good name for that song. Made me laugh, too, because I have uh, my brother-in-law makes, like, these clocks where it basically just says, fuck this shit all around it. (laughs) I was like, oh, Oh, nice. I want one of those. I'll I'll send you a link if you want. They're really cool, too, actually. Uh, But, yeah, it just made me think of that. Like, oh, yeah, this is because every time I'm over, we're like, you know, jazz is in the background because it's just a nice thing to have in the background. But you, what, what, what were you gonna say about the album? Sorry, Perry, I wasn't trying to cut you off earlier. I was just, I just had to get that thought out. Oh no, I just was saying that uh, once I was like had that full like understanding what was going on because I had that moment of even before the sample came in, I was like, all right, this feels very like like I'm missing something just by title track and the flow of everything. And then once I actually came to conclusion that it was a soundtrack. Before I actually looked it up, uh, made me like go, okay, okay, I see. And uh, from there, it was, yeah, it was not bad. Like listening to it was just nice having on. Uh, it did throw me for a loop when Paul Giamatti came on, only because uh, I've listened to a lot of things where uh, some improv guys do some hilarious Paul Giamatti <laughs> uh, impersonations, but yeah. I like Paul Giamatti. He's a wine. He's very animated. Bottle Shock or whatever the fuck was that (laughs) movie about? Yeah, it's like a movie about the California wine scene and it like overtaking the like basically like California wine was like shit on for the longest time. And then in the 70s, basically old vines, right? Like French vineyards, Portuguese vineyards, Spanish vineyards is like, how could California even compete at all? They don't have the terroir, you know, to be able to like compete and like. At some point, there was these, like, tiny little vineyards in California that, like, upstart motherfuckers that, like, were like, wow, these are really good vintages. And the movie's about that, and Paul Giamatti is one of the main characters. Which is 100% true, too. Wandering through, yeah. California wines aren't bad at all. 
No, I mean they're they're world famous now, but you know no. at that point it was still like you ain't French, you ain't you ain't Spanish, well, yeah. you ain't German. I mean, I'm seriously, we just went to the Douro Valley in Portugal, and like these old vines. If you are selling wine from an old vine, you can get the the tour guide was basically like he was like if you have one of these vines that are a thousand year olds, like thousand year old vines, you can get you know uh 10 grand for a bottle that's it's because they're so old like that's just a thing yeah. so i mean like uh they yeah. they had the snobby snooty you know nose to the air but they also have fresh they also make green wine here right which is like newer vines newer wines less uh time in barrels whatever and it's some of the best wine i enjoyed immensely but well, also it costs three dollars a bottle so do they yeah. call it green wine yeah vin, vino verde Oh yeah, okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you it just what? means new I, I, wine, basically, yeah. like green. Yeah. It, it yeah, could be red green, or white, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's Vino Verde. It's gr- it's green wine, new wine. I just, yeah. I've, I've, I've never. Uh, I realized that that's what exactly. As soon as you said, I was like, oh yeah, it's green wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was, oh, I'm a dumbass. I know that. No, no, no. I mean, I know. That. I mean. I- but I, I was more asking, like, as an American buyer, though, also, and as somebody that fucking sells wine on occasion, like, I have to at my job. I, I thought you were saying, because, like, like, orange wines, have you come across orange wines before? Orange wines, like, made with orange, or, like... No. Like, no, I, an, a wine that you would describe as an orange, an orange wine, which is a white wine with skin left on. Ah, so it's like darker colored because the skin yes. is what colors the grape. Right, right. Right, because like a rosé is you pick the the, the the wine, the grape peels out. It's how long you sit on the wine that like makes it, gives it the color. Yep. The yeah. Peel. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 well, and the grape that you're using, obviously. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course. And also the barrel adds color and I mean, yeah. a number of other things. But like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a whole process, one would say. It's it's a a whole lot of shit for somebody that makes minimum wage plus tips to have to fucking navigate. (laughs) Right. You're like, I'm not a sommelier. Like, come on, man. For someone who doesn't, to someone that most, like 90% of people that come into a place like that don't actually know wines. So, like, you're telling them there's, like, notes of almond and, like, notes of... Here's the thing, here's the thing. You would think that, right? But at least... 50% 50% of them think that they are. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, For sure on that, dude. And you're like, and what are you talking about? Be... You're literally Notes drinking Gatorade right now. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's Snoop Dogg's 19 Crimes. Oh, my God. Day. I was going to say 99 Crimes. <laughs> Whatever, 19. Every American is like, like when so, you know, I'm in, I've been in Europe and like you know we go out and we get a glass of wine for two euros or whatever but euro 50 and like in the u.s like a glass has you know goes up to a certain height and you pour you're supposed to pour four ounces so no matter the size of the glass you're pouring like four to five ounces right like and it'll be like a quarter to a third of the glass generally like here right at the bevel there's so much wine being made everywhere in every country and like so they don't tax it heavily because it's being made everywhere they tax like it gets exported you know it gets sent elsewhere but here you can get your green wine your red wine your white wine and they're like here's a dollar ten and they fill that shit up to the brim dude they bring it to you 
And they fill you, they give you half a bottle of wine and you're just like, yeesh, you know, but like the rules in, in the U.S. and the amount of actual wine growing happening isn't as large for the population right. and where it happens. But it's still like, you know, always But shocking. even if it was, even if it was, dude, they like, probably still charge. Our government would charge. tax the fucking shit out of that. and We'd still never be able to have that. But also, also, there are definitely places in the United States dive bars they will have a fucking house red and a house white oh yeah and they will pour you a glass that's half full or fucking fuller and just fucking give you that shit and pouring it up to the point part where the glass reaches its its maximum diameter uh and then stopping allows you to be able to rotate the wine of and course expose to air yep. getting the particles in the glass and having them floating there actually smell it properly uh, which I, I think that is more what a lot of places go for, even if they don't like, that's why that's right. Why of course like there's that. right. Of course. But the thing about it is a three euro bottle of wine is probably as good as that fucking $15 bottle of wine that they're aerating and they are yeah. opening up. Like get the right. fuck out of here. You're not opening Take up a Malbec. That's uh, $17 for me right now. I'm making it that much better. Also, for the untrained nose and mouth, you aren't doing shit either. Get out of here. Pour me my Malbec and pour me some more Malbec. Yep. You know? Sure, but I'm just saying that like – No, but you know, I know that I'm, I'm defending the, 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 the ridiculous – It's the snobbery, dude. Like pour me yes. a big-ass pour of wine that I'm going to taste the way I taste. And it's not – it's going to be good. You know, like a 15 bottle of American wine is delicious in the same way that a three-euro bottle of wine is delicious. And that – once again, it's back to the conversation we're having. But like pour me the glass. Don't play games. Like, you or I know enough about this Malbec to make it any better by you swiveling it in the fucking cup, you know? I'm going to go get some two-buck chuck. Fuck yeah, it. I can't do two-buck chuck, dude. It kills me. Oh, man. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, it kills me. You're like, oh. I just found out why that's two-buck chuck. Do you know why that's two-buck chuck? Because back when they sold it, it's uh, Charles Schwab. And, uh-huh. uh, uh Back when they were originally selling them, they were like like a dollar ninety nine a bottle. No, it's because originally when they started um, doing the, they started making that wine. The company was owned by the husband and wife, the um, Charles Schwa and, and whoever. Shaw? Is it Schwa? Schwa? I don't Shaw. know, but Shaw? they divorced. And they, uh, he wanted to continue selling it in fucking Trader Joe's. Yeah, because that's who owns it, yeah. But she owned the production. And he fucking, there it was something like, he, she, he got all the profit, basically. So she made it so that they couldn't charge more than $2 or, or whatever it is something, now. Because yeah, yeah. It's oh, dang. Well, now it's gone up, but, yeah. Yeah, but... But that's why it was two buck Chuck because she wanted to make sure that he got as little money as possible. But yeah, because I was gonna say that originally it was like two dollars for the bottle. Yeah, it eventually became Dude. three and four. It's probably like six or seven now. No, no, it's, it's, like, no it's still pretty cheap. Uh, it's like two fifty, I think. Up yeah, here. it's not exactly oh, really? two bucks, okay. but yeah. Well, the Dude, the it, liquor tax here is so expensive that it makes it probably like three something. In California, it's not bad. Uh, we only have to pay the CRV, which is where like Trader Joe's started. And so it's really crazy. I was uh, like, remember reading um, A Scanner Darkly, and that book was written in like 76. 
and he has a reference to when homeboy's all tripping out and he like has to go to Trader Joe's for something. <laughs> it's like, what? what? This shit was written in 76 and he's talking about Trader Joe's because they're in the L.A. area. So Philip K. Dick. Hell yeah. That Head book of his time. amazing. Schizophrenic, dude. That dude was like so interesting, but also like every single one of his worlds is like, his, are you his in the world books? or are you not in the world? His later books were so nuts, dude. Valis and stuff like that were like, whoa. Never read it. Where are you dude, going, man? <laughs> Ubik is so good. I love Ubik. I love yeah. uh, three, the Stigmata, three Sigmata of uh, Palmer what, Eldridge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those two are Cry so Cry My Tears, the policeman said. It's oh, the best title God. of a book ever. Cry oh. My Tears, the policeman said. Dude, the three Sigmata of Palmer Eldridge and Ubik are so intertwined because they feel like they're in the same universe. Just because of that, like, um, just like, po- like, kind of like old school feel when he talks about things, in like, oh man. And then he keeps going back, and, uh, yeah, both great. I books. mean, he, I think he was literally losing his mind, but he does a really good job of creating a fractured, fractured world where the narrator and the, and the people experiencing the world the narrator is giving you as like, Am I in two places at once? And I think that's what his strength oh. was, you know. But. Amazing. Um. So storytelling's really good. Yeah, we don't care about that though. We're we're the the peak. We're Your here. Catastrophe waitress, you son. Yeah, of we're. Beep. What? A terrible fucking title. <laughs> I hate it, and I have to get into this. I hate. <laughs> Their, I hate their cover schemes. I like really the duotone. Yeah, the duotone with like we changed the you know it's it's yellow not it's black and white but it's it's yellow instead of white or it's pink instead of white or it's red or it's green and like it's just a picture of some people sitting there and I get the I, it could be cool could be cool I like the idea I suppose but I look at it and I'm just like oh what the fuck is I'm not gonna lie. And, Once I realized that was the the scheme for all their colors, I was like, "Oh, of course." I like the <laughs> Bell and Sebastian extended universe, dude. I I hate that they left it behind and went into like whatever the fuck the last three. Al- well, I guess Bagnold in the summer does it, but like, there's the one in between those. And Life Pursuit doesn't really do it. I don't know what that one's about, but the the one that's like. With girls like to dance in a time of war like what the fuck is that one was the one that got me i'm like what's up with this woman with crutches well, you know, and some handsome man with what's going on man. with that man's hair and then she's like so sh- she can't walk and then like her are, her legs robotic they're wrapped in like christmas lights like that one was the one that got me all the rest of them are just like they're twee dude it's the whole thing is mundane details about someone's daily life and how like they're sad because of it you know so like yeah you take a photograph of someone you go whoa sepia tones whatever like that makes sense to me but like fucking oh theatricality look at this blank background with what are these three people doing and why is that woman holding a machine gun you know like that's right yeah wonderful there's there's a lot of questions to be had about what happens in that point but uh (laughs) well but just we're talking about the cover art that's the one that offended me all the other shit is just like yeah sure a a cop seems to be poking a man on the arab strap album all right fine he's green and black whatever yeah i just i just got tired of it that's all i'm saying and then i didn't think any of them were like great photos by any means, it's no. all just like took this picture. Here we go. Well, the What's earlier the ones, 
The earlier ones, like some of them, uh, I know uh, the boy with the Arab strap, like, I think they took that picture themselves when they were at some fucking river. So, <laughs> Which I think is kind of the point, is that that's, like, that's why I kind of forgive it. Also, you know, is that, like, their whole thing kind of seems like a college project. Like, some kids just doing something that's like, we're just doing this, like, for, we're doing it right now, and it's, it's like, I mean, doing it's... it. This is how we pass our time. Fun. Great. Kind of how they started, um, isn't it? Like, really going back sure. to everything? So, like, I'm fine with that. It's oh. just as far as, like, pretentious art school shit, lo-fi oh, art school. Oh, it goes school. so far. <laughs> yeah, I just, don't, I just don't love it. That's all. I just don't love it. And then you name this album Dear Catastrophe Waitress, and there's, like, person on the ground with a bike next to them. I don't Maybe what they a, fell. One of my favorite yeah. lines from any song in the catalog is... <laughs> I'm sorry that he hit you with a full can of Coke. It's no joke. That I, shit killed me, dude. Oh made me furious. That was pretty Oh ridiculous. my god, why did he hit her with a full can of Coke, Crowder? And why wasn't it Pepsi? What part of the country were they in? Oh my god. It's in the South, so it was just that's just the, that's what they just call sodas, you know. So the South why of Scotland. Why did oh, I just? Why did they? Oh my god! It was so I love good. that song though. I like the musicality of it, and I like like his punchiness. I can't remember that. which song that is. That's it's a, that's Dear Catastrophe public. Waitress. That is that's the actual. Actual. Yeah, that is the, the song of the album. Well, the, oh, the title man. track. I did think that this was probably one of their best albums. Oh, it's when I was like, "Ooh, nice!" Now, drone strummy, like there's a lot right. more range. And, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, for sure. This album had producers. Hold on a second. Let me pull it up real quick. Make sure I got this right. Uh, produced, uh, let's see here, former members of The Buggles and uh, Yes and Frankie Goes to Hollywood were involved with this album, which is pretty cool. Uh, as far as like, uh, as Trevor Horn is one of, one of the guys from The Buggles, and The Buggles were hugely overlooked for their contribution to modern pop and the production of modern pop and the sound of it the uh i think it's really interesting they show up on this out of all the bands in the world i never expected like oh there we go bill and sebastian buggles do it up video did kill the radio star you're right (laughs) uh i i and and to just have that be like added into that whole like it's not just bell and sebastian this is also produced by one of the people from buggles one of the main people from buggles that's that's really that's something to me and yes the guy was in yes that's a heavy hitter for this band that i thought was just oh, i sing a song about my girlfriend maybe did you like my song i just made that up right there was it hit, I man? did, I did like it. Yeah, this is where I wish I would have had more of a chance to listen to this, so that I could right now be like and like make better notes because I didn't make hardly. Because I, I, this is a point in which there was like a few songs here and there I would have liked to have been. Oh, this lyric. Oh shit! I, I mean, th- that's the thing is that this band. The, hold unfortunately, up, hold up, hold up. Oh no, can you guys continue? But my <clears> shit. <throat> 
frozen. Unfortunately for me, like that, that I have like, to restart my computer. Oh, okay. Well, you can keep, keep talking. We got Craig. All right, and well, you're recording. It's I, my I, recording. I think that uh, that that the lyrics for this band, um, I guess, incest aside, which I didn't notice uh, the same way you did earlier on. It was uh, just like one or two songs. No, sure, but still, like you know, that's problematic, and I don't, I I don't know There's how to feel about that without being actually. There's still one or two more songs that I'd like to hear. <laughs> I I mean, I I wish I had I had heard the song that he's talking about and registered the lyrics and then been able to thoughtfully appro- approach it and know for sure that's what it was about. But I don't. So I mean, I think that a lot of this is lyrical, and a lot of it is, um, you know these moments where it's like these sort of fragile human moments that like seem super trite if you're only hearing really gently the fact that it's boyfriend girlfriend shit half the time but like is actually more than that and it's like the people's like approaches to the church and like their philosophies and being mistreated in, in public and by schools and whatever like there's a lot of moments like that that are beautiful i think in the in the lyrics um that like go with his understated vocals but once again because we it's 10 albums and uh, i'm drinking wine all the day uh i you know i just did absorb it to say but i i this album i know very well and i think that um it has a lot of striking moments and it moves through a bunch of different styles while still maintaining uh being the bell and sebastian type of album it's it's nostalgic it's whimsical it's twee but like also you know there's a track that just starts off with a horn that's like doo, 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 doo. it's almost a game show theme and it's like what <laughs> what <laughs> like like right after like a really whimsical bell and sebastian song and it's like all right well let's jump in the game show and i think that like they they did more things on this album that were out of line with what they were doing before and like they... piazza piazza that which is one of the f- most famous bell and sebastian songs is like nestled next to or is the like actual bob dylan song on this album like there's like bob dylan start off strumming like i don't think a bunch of these songs are bob dylan songs honestly because bob dylan is just like hitting chords and can't sing but like there's one song that's just like brutally folk and i was like wow right after that one like it's it they don't all like line up incredibly uh the same like some of the other albums which i think is a failing of their earlier albums is that they just they, sound very similar i th- i think that this is actually a a point at a thing that happens here is that this is my favorite period but this is where um the shotgun effect the random blast these uh, uh the just unexpected and not exactly didn't seem thought through or appropriate changes start happening. And I appreciate it because I like that they're doing more stuff. I like that they're changing their style and they're, they're stepping outside of their comfort zone of this like singer songwriter thing. Uh, But it also shows up at, at weird times and it, it kind of even harkens back to the idea. Like I said earlier, where you got a, a space boy dream or all of a sudden, from the first album, Electronic Renaissance, just like all out of nowhere, just like boom, here's this type of song. Like that's actually kind of cool, but like I didn't want that there and then. <laughs> yeah. And I, no, I don't see it like there. you just took me out of it. <laughs> I mean, the the song that I was describing that's like a that sounds like a game show theme. You don't send me is after I'm a cuckoo, and I'm a cuckoo. I think is sort of a standout on this album in that like 
like lyrically and like melodically it's sort of this upbeat bouncing very very driven by the bouncing bass lines which they have sort of is sort of like the driving force of lots of their music later on and then it jumps into that song and you're like whoa <laughs> well how did we go from sunshine california pop from the 70s and 60s to whatever the fuck this game show music is and like but because i've listened to the album a number of times i appreciated it differently but it still is sort of like you say jarring i think is what you're saying <laughs> yeah very much so uh and and something just like overactive almost um which for this band is <laughs> calling bell and sebastian overactive <laughs> is silly so yeah, silly. But it is <laughs> i think anything up until now is like wow this is like wait where where was this energy previous i don't know if i <laughs> Dig it per se, but <laughs> it's punchy. To your, They're way punchier. You they right were now, that's just like... way punchier. Definitely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just a bad synth sound. Oh my gosh! Isn't that hard? <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's got like an auto on it or something. Yeah, it's got something going oh, yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> but this yeah. is also the when they put out uh, Push Barman to open Old Wounds. And this, when I got to this, I was like, oh, whoa, I like this. And it's a bunch of EPs mm-hmm. from in between uh, Tiger Milk and, and Arab Strap. And before Tiger Milk, I think. Yeah, and I actually like, I think this just, I, I love a collection of EPs. And sometimes I just think certain bands works so well in the format of you have a seven inch record and you're putting four songs on it. And it's, and like, I mean, it's like subhumans have a the EPLP love it. Fucking, uh, God, I, you know, there's others and I'm, I'm blanking on them because I wasn't prepared to actually say this, but the, the, this, this album push barman to open old wounds. I found very interesting and I found it to be, a step away from the strummy stuff and where they were putting their more wop, 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 shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoyed that, that they put that out. I enjoyed that, that that's there, and I think it's worth listening to, but uh, I didn't realize at first when I was doing the discography, and I was like, oh, it's just another album. Whoa, this is cool. It's almost like a like a mix between that thing I just listened to and their old stuff. Oh, because it's their old stuff. Um, and they, they go from catastrophe album naming to the life pursuit. This is, I, I have, I actually, I fight between this one and dear catastrophe waitress, which one's better. They're really great albums. I, I mean, in the discography, I liked this one quite a bit. (laughs) There was a moment where it was like, wow. Okay. So, whoa. Like and I had to take a step back, like thinking back to like Tiger Milk or the uh, Sinister album, thinking like laughing because how pretentious was like all oh, the the track and field stars, blah blah blah, and like now it was like whoa, okay, what's what what are you guys doing now? So, but like jazz drums, yeah, there were some like... really interesting things going on on this album for sure, and. I feel like their guitar tone has gotten better too, because they're jang- they like to do jangly guitar strumming. Jangly is a word that I kept saying. Jangle, 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 jangle. If you can Wait. strum your guitar and make it say jangle, jangle, like you can do some of this. But at this point, it's not just like, hey, I bought this guitar and plugged it in. 
It's it's like somebody was like, we're going to give you the Fender. You're going to put on the Telecaster, put it on the highest fucking, turn the switch all the way up that way. We're using the top pickup. We're going to put you through the fucking, you know, the double amp over. We got two amps for you. We got an orange and we got a fucking Fender half stack back here with a fucking tube amp. We're going to put you through. We got the compressor going into the tube amp. We got your pedal board going from the fucking compressor to the fucking tube amp. We got a fucking <laughs> ribbon mic. We got a condenser. We got a fucking dynamic microphone. One of them set up just to get room. This is going to sound good no matter what you fucking do. We are spending thousands of dollars per minute. Let's go. Let's go. Do it. I hit record. You better start playing. Oh, I fucked up. No, it's fine. We're not on tape. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's also really well produced, and like I think yep. it, it's the peak of when they do this really great melodic background singing that happens that like comes in and out that is like like I think in the next few albums maybe is like overdone and goofy and cheesy like like they hit their peak here with this like like we are the sleepyheads is one of my favorite singles easily off of their entire discography and it's just this like really quick strumming guitar and like. The man singing, and then it's like, and like these like women kind of humming in the background, like that kind of stuff. They do really well, like, and they like doing that, and they la 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 a lot. And like, I know that's not Crowder or Perry's favorite thing, but for me, like, I think that shit is well, apex, and I think they do it here the best. Like, this is where they were like, this is gonna fit the style of the album really well, and it does, and they do it, it well. May not- may not be either of our favorite thing but i think both of us can appreciate yeah, when it was, it's done I, something that you can get it's into. executed well and that's this, important yeah, this album shows just awesome execution uh great production uh everything that like i feel like maybe they're just working towards previously musically so it's really cool to kind of hear that and actually be like whoa okay because i'm not gonna lie those first few albums that was a little bit like all right all right. You're about to fall yep. asleep. I got it. I got it. The and first time by, I heard this by album. By here, it gets like punchier and like very more like, okay, what what, what am I listening to? This, 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 it, wait. Uh, like I literally had to look them up to make sure like there wasn't like a significant like line change just based on that. But it, like they only add people like fairly, very few leave, you know, as opposed to uh, what's her name at that one time. So that was very cool to see that it's just them progressing musically and it was it was a good listen i would definitely give, give that i did not like this album the first time i heard it way back in 2006 I bet fans hated this shit i i My fans hated it i could see that yeah I, I i when i first heard it after dear catastrophe waitress like cuz i mean like i think that i came on board in like 2005 so like push barman had just come out and dear catastrophe waitress was what i was introduced to and then Blues Are Still Blue was their single off that album that I remember, like, I watched the music video. And now I go back to Blues Are Still Blue, and I'm like, this is actually a pretty good blues song, pastiche, joke sort of thing. And he's, like, maybe referencing an old 80s uh, British film and also just, like, tongue-in-cheeking his way through the fucking song. And it's, like, really charming. But the first time I heard it, I was like, where the fuck is Dear Catastrophe Waitress, brother? But, like, listening to it as, like, an old dude, I'm like, no, nah, this shit is good. Oh, this shit is right. But at first, I really was like, 
what are you guys doing? This is a misstep. And We Are the Sleepyheads is sort of like almost feels electronic because of all the whispers and shit. Like the things that I like about this album now and that I liked about it later on are almost just like they seem like there's such a step ahead from the previous albums. But it's so good. I don't know. It's so much better, you know, listening to it through again as an adult old boy or whatever. And it's had a few years to age itself, you know, coming to come into the modern era to some degree. Well, in the context of 2005, six, like block party had just come out that self-titled. And I was like all, all, all up in that 2005 was Illinois by Sufjan. I was all about that. I don't, what else came out in 2005? There's a lot of really great albums. I think, uh, Wolf Parade came out in 2005. I was like, fuck this Bell and Sebastian album, dude. Fuck this shit right up the trash hole. But Yeah, yeah well, especially as, like, a band that has, at this, at this point, like, their previous album is one of their fan favorites. It's it's a, uh, a progressive step towards this album, I think, even. If you listen to the two back-to-back, it's like, yeah, that's a totally logical step. Makes perfect sense. But at that time you're these indie darlings and all of a sudden you that's known for being kind of like here's a song that's maybe kind of sad and kind of like you put it on in the background when you're reading a book bucking feeling smart it tells yeah and and you're just like keeping it simple and now all of a sudden we've got like these songs that have like they they start off with a keyboard line that's almost like a lead line you know and they come in poppy and snappy and quick, yeah. and like full, like a full range. It's not lo-fi anymore. This is you put it on the fucking, you put it on the hi-fi, and you play with the fucking EQ, and you get your bass sitting right, and you let it fucking bump on you and fucking float around. Uh, what I'm looking at right now, though, is albums from 2005. Oh wait, what's happening here? This is not it. I want to know what other albums came out. So we're gonna we're gonna do that real quick. Albums, two thousand five. Yee, late registration. Oh, that was uh, a good two, one. I like that one I at hate, the time. Hate that album. I like that. Uh, one. That's the only fucking out of that trip. The trip, the three. That was the only one I really liked. Uh, Demon Days was two thousand five. Yeah. Sleater Kenny, The Woods. Oh my god, that album is hit. So good. Oh my god. Uh, Bright Eyes. I'm wide awake. It's morning. Oh, that's their one. That's the one. That's yeah. the EP, though. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Spoons give me fiction. Oh my god. <laughs> Seeger Seeger Ross. Uh, Attack. Oh my god. That's eight. the one with the eight and a half minute opening build song. Oh my fucking oh, Christ. Yeah, yeah. That's all uh, 2005. <laughs> yeah. White stripes get behind me. Satan. Animal <laughs> collective feels. Uh, which is as far as Animal Collective goes, one of my preferred. Oh, that's the uh, Animal Collective album. I mean, if for non like fans, Jam. well, uh, well I, sure, but it, sure, sure. But I, I think that feels as like the introduction point for people that don't know the weirder shit, like Sung Tongs and whatever. Or feels is more like we got some chilled out fucking songs you can smoke a joint to and fucking. That one has purple milk and... bottle on. That one's really good. That one's it's like, like actual songs too, though. And also not, but yeah, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Well, it's well, the more ex- it's, ex- it's an accessible entry point to their catalog. Strawberry Jam and what's the Merryweather? Oh yeah, post Merryweather Pavilion is so good. F- fucking those two get a little noisier though. Even sure. though they're still in that there, there's like a lot of like type of shit that happens in the background. But feels still has a lot of the weird 
fucked up rhythmic stuff that goes like really beyond the moments like in like nine minute songs you know but it still feels like apex entry points i'm just saying it's entry point it's almost like right i idm shit uh we got francis the mute by mars volta okay we got bex guero which is the last good album by beck i think i like Uh, that album broadcast tender buttons oh damn uh yeah. Queens of the Stone Age, Lullabies, Paralyzed, Mesmerized by System of the Down. Not, not that that's up there with any of that shit. It's just it came out that year. Jack Johnson. Fucking, uh. <laughs> I mean, but plenty of those albums are, are like, I mean, Gimme Fiction is one of Spoon's like premier uh, albums. That's like, yeah, it's one of the really good But Life Pursuit is one of. Separation Sunday. Oh, Jesus. Are you, I wait, don't know if you like Hold, hold Steady? steady yeah, dude, Hold Steady. Yeah. No, but uh, boys, when was Boys and Girls in America? I think Boys and Girls in America was in 2006. I'm not sure. And I'm that's looking at 2000, like their masterpiece. At 2005. Danger Doom? Danger Doom was 2005. Remember that being popular? Hell yeah, dude. I, I, I can fuck with it. It's dumb, but I can fuck with it. Here's a better uh Adam Green put out a decent album. Fucking... LCD sound system. Yeah, oh. You're not paying attention to this fucking. Yeah, no way. Sounds of no Silver was 2005. Not. Sounds of Silver, right? Hold on. For which? For LCD. Sounds of Silver. No, no. Uh, self-titled. Oh, self-titled. Jesus, everyone lost their nut. The Rapture probably came out that year. Anyways, 2005 Bonnie, 6 Bonnie was like Prince a big Billy. indie year. Like that was like a watershed year. And arguably this album really it I think people noticed it, but it still slipped under the radar. Well, because it was slightly different than their other shit, and a little more like it sounds kind of like their sellout album. Yeah, what but going back for sure. But it's not. <laughs> so well, no, no yeah, that's not. the it's... whole thing. Is they pitchfork loved their it. Shit pitchfork, pitchfork well, they, loved it though. Is this the one that they? Which one did they like destroy originally, and then they had to like re go back and like probably that Tiger one. Milk. Like every album ever. Right. Well, no, there's one in particular for this band I remember reading. I don't remember what album it was, but like I guess initial review for it was absolute terrible from Pitchfork, and then uh, at some point they removed that one and then went back and re-reviewed it and gave it more. I positive. would guess it's Tiger Milk. I would guess it was. The I don't original. think it was Tiger Milk. It was a later, later one. Maybe I bet it's Boy with the Arab Strap. Boy with the Arab Strap? Maybe. I bet. More maybe Dear I'm Catastrophe thinking... Waitress. They only gave Catastrophe Waitress a 7.5, which like is like a joke That's in the community. 7.8 is like the biggest insult to a, mu- a musician on Pitchfork. Pitchfork sure, is yeah, music is 7.8 or 6.8. 6.8 is the like, fuck you, you're trash. I think a 7.5 is very fair for Dear Catastrophe Waitress. I, I think you could go ahead and give it an 8 if you want. You could go ahead and give it a 7 if you want. I I mean, Dear Catastrophe Waitress is somewhere in between Life Pursuit and, I mean, you know, fold your hands. Like, I, it is this moment right. in their career. Huh? And at that moment also, 2003 was still a really good indie year. I'm just saying, like, the early, like, the, two, the 2000s as an argument, like, for some of the best albums. Like, I'm not, this isn't just old man bullshit. Like, I'm saying some, the reason I'm listening to 2010 to 20 music is the 2000s in a real way. Like, there was a lot of callbacks to older styles. There was, like, like really, like, a return to some of the more rocky elements that were dope going on. And, like, the early 2000s were were peak music in a lot of ways. I'm not saying they're the best era ever, but, like, that era is a big deal. And I feel like 
Bell and Sebastian was not making the music that was <laughs> was like the fucking hip shit. They were their callback was like, oh, the Beatles, like everyone does that. You calling back the Velvet Underground, chill, bros. You know, like <laughs> no one fucking oh, cared. You. Well, but also this album is also like. We did call back all those. We're still calling back all of those. You guys are calling back all those, but maybe this one has a little bit of like a disco track. You guys like disco? You ever listen to like 70s disco? You know disco? Maybe there's like, here, we'll just do a little bit of that. Come on. I know you guys like cocaine in the bathroom, so come on. Disco. You want some ABBA? You want like a little ABBA influence? We could do that. We could do all that. We're Bell and Sebastian. Shitty fucking name. What a fucking shit name. Bell and Sebastian never showed up on a single album. Where are these members? Right. Why do they have this band named after them? Where's the Stupid dog book. and where's the boy? You sons. And it's of, not even like saying. it's not even like the good story of a boy and a dog. Like, like the good one is like the radio, like the post-apocalyptic with the dog is like telepathic. You know what's up? You know what's <laughs> up, motherfucker? I was just, oh my god, I did not think you were gonna go there. I did not think you were gonna bring it up, but that movie is. Fucking 10 out of 10. Fuck yeah, man. Uh, that movie Fido? is phenomenal. No, a boy and his dog. It's like a post-apocalyptic thing with, like, uh, the boy, uh, the dog's telepathic. And, like, it's fucking awesome. And, like, when I was reading about, like, the first thing I saw was, like, oh, where, where they got their name? I was, like, and then reading about the novel and everything. And it's, like, a boy, about a boy and his dog. And I was, like, that's not the real a boy and his dog. <laughs> Uh, oh, I never saw it. this. It's like a, it's like a campy ass. Yeah, it's yeah, so good yeah, yeah, though. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Fucking amazing. It's I so know, good. I know of it. I know of it, and I've never seen it. I've always wanted to. Hold on one second. I'll be right back. One sec. I mean, sure, whatever. We're just gonna go on to the next album, Robert. We don't give a fuck. Oh. No way. <laughs> fuck it. Who cares? What's the next album? Write about love. Is that it? Uh yes. When I, I, I uh, it's a, it's a pun. Because uh, right? they say write Because you're writing Because she looks like She's like looking out the window And she's writing a right. letter She's got like a pen in her but, hand But throughout the album They're like talking more It's you're right about love Oh Because they're talking about love And there's like a, a Like somebody like had a question or something And there was like an answer You're right And that person you're was right. like They're right They're correct You're correct <laughs> about love Uh you're huh. Southpaw. Wait, what? I this this was like I liked some of the direction that was happening here a little bit better than the previous album, but it was just so all the fuck over the place and cheesy and bad at points. Like this is the the break it. Perry, do you remember when White Pepper came out by Ween? Yeah. And we were all like, this is really good, but there's something weird happening. And then they put out Quebec, and we were like, oh. Oh, I like White Pepper more. Yeah, and I was a little iffy about about White Pepper, even though I really liked it. This is like White Pepper, if not the the album before. This is the point where they start to, like, no, this make choices that you don't like. This one I wasn't as on board with. Uh, I feel the previous, um, I was really blown away and enjoyed uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, but this one was the one where it was like, okay, so you're taking what you guys have done, but I don't think you guys are building on it in a way that I'm digging. <laughs> yeah, no. This is where they're like, Game Boy video game sound 
they're like rhythms are okay for us, right? We're talking about right about love, Robert. Welcome back to the oh. show. Uh, we just went into it, so good, good. Yeah, it. I went back to this earlier today. I'm putting it on right now and just kind of scanning it so I can try to remember some of it. And it's uh, the 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 first time I heard these electronic songs on here, the ones that are like drum machine on, go pop mode, engaged. Uh, I hated it so much, but I liked this album, you know, and. Uh, that's what I was saying, by the way, what you missed, Robert, is I said that I, I'd actually, there's songs on here that I kind of debate whether or not I liked this a little bit more than the previous album. It's not a better album. It is not, not in my opinion, but there was aspects of it that I enjoyed, I, but the electronic introduction is a thing that happens here. It happened before, but it's, this is where it's here. This is where we're doing it. We're doing all the the new drum machine shit, and like from here forward, we're gonna get a random weird, yeah, like eight oh eight hand clap song, okay, that I just don't know how to feel about, and some of the lyrics get real bad. Honestly, this is, I this... feel this is where the lyrics start to really drown out to me. Uh, yeah, I, I do recall this being the album where it was more just. I don't know. This is really I, like and you can tell, but like I, I know it doesn't mean anything. But sometimes it's really funny to because I listen to all the albums on Apple Music, and every time, like you know, I'm sure uh, Spotify does the same. But on each album, it usually has like the genre that that's like quote unquote put under. You know, it was really interesting to see the transition from like indie or alternative, and all of a sudden these later ones are straight just pop, and that's like. <laughs> okay but like gotcha (laughs) just the lyrics just started this is where i started paying way more or less to the lyrics way more that doesn't make sense this is where i started paying less to the lyrics less attention yes yes these albums these last three well one there's so there's three but then there's the ep so four in my estimation but so this one and the next one particularly when i and i say the next one being the like girls love to dance in post-war era germany or whatever (laughs) wait wait what about third eye third eye that's a remix album and i didn't listen to it because i i that's a remix album yeah it's got remixes and all sorts of shit and it's got like i thought it was just one song no there's a bunch of remixes on it there's oh okay i guess there's like three i i thought it was like b-sides and shit is it oh i thought it was just like they had some guest spots on there like all of a sudden it was fucking it assembles various b-sides and rarities the band has released since its previous oh yeah it's i'm a cuckoo that's a remix i'm sorry i just didn't catch it i hated that 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 album the only reason i was like what about that i I didn't listen to that one because i like I, in my head, because I only had so much time, I was like, "Canon, I have to do mm-hmm. Canon." And the EP is like the EP album to me was Canon, right? Yeah. But so, um, East German girls don't fight underneath the fog, and the love story. This album, I don't, I can't, did I you, can't remember the name. Quick, since we're here, did you listen to "God Help the Girl"? Which no, it's uh, was that an EP? It's it's an album. It's a band. Oh, it's a it's a band album with. Uh, no, Stuart I didn't Murdoch. listen to that one because uh, I wasn't. I wasn't sure. Uh, 
It's just the one album, isn't it? It's just the one album, yeah. like an EP. I had enough time trying to get through Bell and Sebastian, so... Exactly. Any, I, any, I scanned it at work. Any satellite but... things was going to be a little tough for me. <laughs> that was it. I was just wondering because Robert brought up the the EPs. If you got if you got to that, it's, how to solve our fine. human problems? Was one, the ones two, three. That, those those the e- yeah that was the, and I figured that uh, was like something that the guy I work with likes it. So that's just, in case anybody's listening and they're wanting to dive further in, there is that extra project. Well, and but also just like looking at the very first track, "Act of the Apostle" is the same name as the first song on the Life Pursuit. So I wonder if same year too. Interesting. I wanted to listen to that, but I I wasn't sure, and it was like side project, and I was like, ah, ah. it was okay. It was okay from what I heard when I was busy, you know, mixing drinks and serving shakshuka to fucking shitty fucking middle-aged white women dude shakshuka <laughs> is needs to I, I, like i think shakshuka would be way better if the eggs weren't overcooked that's my only thing on shakshuka hey, but hey, our shakshuka sucks let me tell you right now the only the only thing we have the only eggs we have is like a egg mix that goes into a little boat and baked so it makes little like scrambled eggs yeah patties uh but it's like a pre-mixed thing it comes in a box it's not yeah. eggs and uh we have soft-boiled eggs so when they make the shakshuka they soft boil these eggs and then like let them sit there and hope that they don't get fucking hard Ugh. right and then they just fucking they take the fucking chickpeas with the sauce and all that you know stick it in a boat stick it in a fucking toaster oven warm it up Throw fucking two soft-boiled eggs on it. Pre-made soft-boiled eggs. Soft-boiled eggs have been sitting there all day. Yeah. Th- throw them on top with a little bit of, like, yogurt and chives. It sounds about right. Yeah. It's not right, the, the, No, the it thing about, about it right is for restaurants that are like, we're not going to... Yeah. 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 I had a shakshuka made, so we so we had some um, some friends... Who had some like Israeli friends, like from Israel, traveling to the United States, doing sort of like an abroad thing, like in the same way that like you know like Jewish Americans can go back to Israel for like birthright stuff, like that kind of thing. And they came to New Orleans and hung out with us. They were awesome dudes, super great. But one day they were like, "We're gonna make you shakshuk this authentic Israeli dish," and I was like, "All right, tight." And like everything about that dish sounds right, like tomatoes, eggs, like it just sounds like a really delicious dish. They fucking get it in the pan, you know, they cook it, they put, drop the eggs in, whatever. And like, you know, I want runny yolks. That's just a personal preference. I, I want runny, runny yolks. Yeah. Yep. They cook the fuck out of those eggs. They cook those eggs until they were, the color was changing from orange to white, like solid, firm, fucked up. And I'm just like, nah, son, what? And then I ate it and I was like, and it's just like, it's hard, you know, it's almost like eating like, like octopus or like and badly cooked octopus like it's like chewy almost like ugh, why'd that you cook sucks. this egg so long brother i mean it's being so there's tomato juice and shit soaking in it i was just like no please Man, stop. i gotta tell you i fucking hate 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 runny eggs oh. but shakshuka you want the yolk to fucking mix into the tomato well, with the sauce sense, you yeah. want it to make like that's what you want that's like getting an eggs benedict with like a like fucking oh my poached God. egg that's like fucking uh hard boiled like could you Medium. imagine getting that like that would be like 
Even if you I don't served. like runny eggs or eggs Benedict, like that's part like, of the dish. You know what I mean? Like, I was gonna say I can't imagine getting that because if anybody tries to serve me eggs Benedict, you can take it the fuck away from me. I love eggs. I love, love Hollandaise. Good I'm Hollandaise. Like, I've been working on trying gross. to master my Hollandaise sauce. So oh, fucking just, nasty. Oh, it's so delicious. <laughs> I want my so eggs. Delicious. I don't. I don't want my eggs easy anymore. I used to over easy, right? Like that means you, everybody knows here, right? Like, well, maybe not our listeners, but easy means that the white's not cooked through. I want medium. Medium's how I want. I want runny yolk with cooked whites, which means yeah. that some of the fucking yolk is going to be cooked. That's fine. Like not all of it, some of it. There's going to be some no, like as goopy, long as that thick, center part and of the yolk is It's going to run. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I yep. want. That's what I want from an egg. And I want it from every egg in my entire life. I don't give a shit what it's on. Put fucking a medium egg on everything. And I want it flipped. That's... I don't want it sunny side up. I don't want it basted. I want that bitch flipped in the thing. That's where I and get you from pan uh, it to me. my, uh, my wife's side of the family, the Vietnamese side, like that's how they do their eggs all the time, and it's so good. Like anytime I just like cook an egg to throw in rice, it's always exactly like flipped, medium, like yeah, it'll be cooked a little bit, like salt, whatever. But there's always, always some runny aspect to the yolk, and it's so good. I always cook my eggs so myself. I cook them hard, but I always break the yolk. That's ah. how I do it. Yeah. Like, I I don't I don't I don't mind my eggs if they get browned, but like I just break it, you know. I don't scramble it. Right. I just like well, I, it, as I long as the, the yolk gets cooked, right? Like yeah. Right. Yeah. And well, and then I usually and then I'll like give it a flip, so there'll be like a yellow like a yellow part and a white part. Because I, I I might brown my egg a little bit. Though. I do the um, the egg thing like the medium egg for my older daughter, and then I make like basically an omelet for my youngest. Like that's how she likes it. So. I well, like softer. I just they like all love it eggs. with soy sauce in it. Like you got to mix soy sauce Weird. into the egg. It's fucking bomb. Either if you're doing the medium as it's cooking, just pour soy sauce into it, just like nice little steady drip, and then just let it cook like that. Or when you're doing an omelet, do like your milk, whatever uh, cream, however you're doing it, and then just like a splash of soy sauce, and it's so fucking good. All right, so we're doing this final stretch. I know we're, 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 we're talking about food more than anything. <laughs> yeah, the album "Girl in Peacetime" wants to do wa- uh, girls in girls plural in peacetime want to dance. That is not what I was saying, but it is what I meant to say. Uh, yeah, this this album cover's stupid. Uh, I hate everybody's haircut. I hate the props. I hate the framing. Oh, I hate where the text is i hate the broom i <laughs> enter I sylvia plath enter Sil. like there is this is a confused ass album y'all this shit is like yeah love story makes sense love story makes sense like it flows like the electronics yeah. in it are like are, are are more aggressive than they were before and and and, and at times subtle but still ever present and like it moves through the Bell and Sebastian style, but this one is like sometimes it's like, is this a Euro track? B the party line, I, dude. I like that song. I, you know, it's funny. Sure, it's, if you remove it from context. Well, okay. So you sent me Enter Sylvia Plath, and I was like, this is hot garbage. And so out of context, that song to me was very frustrating and upsetting. But when I heard it in the yes. album, it was less jarring to me. Like it still. Oh. 
not a standout by any stretch. It's a standout because it's not a great song. Listen to it right now. But it's but what I mean to say is that like Enter Sylvia Plath after it Life Pursuit, if that's the next song you hear, it's like the fuck is this? But in the album it makes sense. Like it does. However, the last that. half of that album doesn't make any sense. I don't know sense. if I can agree with that. Well, after that song, and I think that's about halfway point, it goes back to just regular Bell and Sebastian shit. And it's like, huh? How do you have Party Line and Enter Sylvia Plath and then just return to form like, ah, oh, it's 2005 again? Like you, Yeah, right. You can't do that. Well, th- well there is uh, – It's right jarring. Now, I just got to it. There's Play for Tuesday, which also has like a – euro track a euro dance fucking euro beat type of uh techno house influenced you know fucking very quick staccato electronic beat to it uh there's a couple more on but yeah for the most part it's just like here's more bell and sebastian hope you liked that electronic pop experiment that we did I guess Here's another, you were saying play for today. Was that the one you were saying? Yeah. 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 But then like, I guess the book of you is sort of that way too, but it still feels way less aggressive after enter Sylvia Plath, which is like, like ABBA, like literally ABBA. Like, what are you doing? dude? The everlasting muse has no electronics. It sounds like. Like it does the like soft like plinky keyboard organy like a oh, ping 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 like, and then and then like the up strummed guitar. I don't know. This album is a is a mess. I, but honestly, I'm gonna say this: Bell and Sebastian as a band and up to this point have done pretty good music in my estimation. And this album is hilarious to me. But still, like, it's not their best album. I don't hate the it. opening line. I absolutely of this don't album. hate it. <laughs> <laughs> lying on my bed I was reading French oh just sure buddy reading thanks. French huh yeah What's... thanks thanks I, brother <laughs> by, by the way I can read French so uh I was doing that I, what was it yeah just French you don't I just picture like that that dead dude you walk in they're trying to look smart and they pick up and you're like are you just reading the dictionary they're like uh <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> like, that's I? a pad of lined paper. <laughs> yeah. You don't read uh, the dictionary. This album is okay, but this album is an anomaly because the next two aren't like it. So, right, they didn't. They some either they decided that what they did was wrong, or someone told them they won't make money, or someone said they wouldn't pay them, or they decided that what they did was wrong. And then they moved on. Like, this album is all this weird electronics. I mean, Enter Sylvia Plath is one of the most agree. I, th- I think they knew it was wrong when they were doing it. And I think were... that's why there's only, like, four of them that are dispersed, like, randomly throughout. They're smiling the whole time, though. Like, you can see, it's like, it seems like they're, like, it's like an in-joke. Like, well, this album is an in-joke I... that they're like, oh, no one's gonna get it. Like and you say that they, like, dickheads. drop they drop it but they don't entirely they just kind of try to incorporate it more into the expected bell and sebastian eclectic indie sound more thoughtfully yeah more tastefully it's not as overt what's what's up with uh how to solve our human problems i didn't get a chance to really look into it wait what what was it called 
How to suffer. solve human problems one through three. Oh, you didn't listen to that one. I did, but I just I'm oh. asking what was up with it. I didn't get a chance to look it up. So it it was three EPs released EPs, over right? yeah. a certain amount of time and then they just released it as a whole. Um Oh, okay. It I mean so, so that's the the next album as far as I'm concerned. Like that's the one I, I listened to the compiled versions, which I wonder what it would have been like if I'd gotten a chance to listen to, you know, one every six months to a year or whatever. I'm wondering looking at the uh cover if I'm missing something by not seeing the because I'm looking at the cover now and it's just like they're back to their stupid color scheme. Mm-hmm. But there's just like these like assholes on it. Random yeah, who people. Are they? I think I've prob I I I'm pretty sure that three out of the four people on this cover have said something bad to me at a bar. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you should go and you should go into the EPs and, and, and singles because there's you can see the EP covers and it's like twelve different faces. So like oh. there's oh. then that one is a compilation of four other faces. It's, I think it's supposed to be like like look at these people, you know, like how do we solve yeah, our Yeah, I don't problems? want to. I know, dude on the uh, one through three, dude on the right, it looks like he's going to scold you for not getting the correct IPA that he ordered. That guy's my guy, dude. I'm like, yes. What is he Uh, he smug about? He's going to come up. He's the guy that comes up and asks, what's on cask or nitro? Like, that's... (laughs) That's the kind of guy that says not in my bar, I think. (laughs) That's the kind of guy like, oh... You want that? No. Get out of here. We're drinking for net. That's what that guy's about to say. Did I tell you guys that I was told that out here, the bartenders all drink for net to cover up their coke breath? Cover up their what? Cover up their coke breath. I don't believe it, but that's what I was told. Does coke have a smell? I don't know this. Explain to me. Uh, Maybe more of a dry mouth, depending, but... Right, and I guess if you're doing a bunch of it, like your teeth can go bad. Yeah, there's that. So between but the that, two, but Fernet will do nothing for your teeth. That that's where Fernet will do nothing for your breath. Yeah, that's so. That's okay. So that's none of that makes that's any pretty sense. Pretty bunk. Yeah, because uh, there's like we a little bit of menthol in that would have been busted right now. <laughs> but I'm still not saying that coked out bartenders in Seattle aren't going. Yeah, there's a little bit of menthol in Fernet. It's kind of minty. I throw it in there and nobody can tell that I've been doing coke all night long because now I'm drunk. You know, like... That's right. That's super dumb. <laughs> That's what I was told, though. That's what I was told. What's this fucking album called? Quick, I'm trying to look it up. I just... How to Solve Our Human, human Problems 1 through 3. Terrible. Are we going to the next one? <laughs> How to Solve Our Human right. Problems. I just want to see these fucking... Uh, EP covers. Yeah, go to the EP without... covers. There's like twelve different faces, They're, and none of the ones on the on the collected version is the same. So technically, there's sixteen faces. What the hell? Yeah, there's like four each, huh? Each, yeah. So there yeah, are probably okay. four songs on each album too, or some goofy ass dumbness. I don't oh, know. I still hate this. I still hate this. Oh God! Uh, this. Am I trying to hire a design firm? What is this? Is this like, this literally looks like a brochure for like a, right. we're your next consultant firm that you're going to absolutely love. We all just graduated. I know. It looks like 15, they're, uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> like, it looks like it's for like, a, like the, uh, IT how to solve our human problems. Part three. It looks like it could, 
this is what your uh, ad for your dental agency would look like. Right. <laughs> or, or like, join our liberal arts college. <laughs> your career starts today. These last three albums, with with a particular po- point of mentioning uh, Girls Never Let Down, Cold War Era Russians or whatever, is that, like, that electronic album, sure, there's electronic elements, but it seems like they've settled in and they're like, we're done. Like, I don't, like I, it's all Bell and Sebastian from here on out, and it's fine. And I'm not mad at them for it, but it's like, they are like, dude, we're, we're like, you guys, you guys know who we are, right? Like, I mean, all right, here's a song. It'll be a little more psychedelic than you guys are used to, I guess. And here's a little more electronic. Like, we're experimenting, but they're really just like settled yeah. in. And and then they made another, um, the last album is another you know, uh, score, as, as uh, Perry would say, or a fucking soundtrack. They made an album for a movie. Like, you guys are, I'm not saying they're done, right? But I'm just saying that they're like, they're an old band. Like, it, this band has been around for fucking 25 years now. So, here's old people playing music. Ah! <laughs> you know? I also, like, at this point, with the electronic edition and stuff, it just reminds me of when Danger Mouse started producing everything in, like, the like 2010. And everything kind of sounded like a Black Keys album for a half second. Maybe it was more like 2005. Mm-hmm. And it really, it sounds like they're going for that and it just hurts me it just bothers me and i just don't want to listen to that i honestly if someone put on any of these last three albums in a bar i would be like chill at me personally putting for, any, for most for for a good part of the songs i would probably also yeah. I, I just I, overall I mean, even some of their goofy electronic stuff, like I was like, honestly, the, the, it's a misstep, but I think that they tried something different. And I appreciate that from a band who had a very established sound, has been doing a specific thing for years, and then does whatever, uh, that album, Germans, Germans don't like women who go to war or whatever. I like that album is, is interesting to me, if not successful and not great. And then the last two are just like, ah, we did that one and sort of fucked up. And now here's Bell and Sebastian, I guess. And I, all three of them are like, Bell and Sebastian, I guess. And really, I think that Bell and Sebastian, I guess, for me personally, as a, as a human being, is honestly better than a lot of shit people put on the radio and put on mm-hmm. fucking jukeboxes and put in, in my ears on yeah, the regular. Sure. So give me their fucking tepid version of their better song off Tiger Milk or off of Hold hold your hands like a peasant or whatever the fuck and I'll I'll take it. I'll take that. I just will every time. No, I have, I hear that. Uh, I tend to agree. There if it came on in the background, I'm probably not going to like argue. Like but I might go I'm back also to listen. I'm not going to seek it out to play it. So I might go back to um these albums another time just to just see them, but like I'm not like none of these albums are the albums I'm going to go back to. Love the love story one, the the pink one actually. I might go back to and check out again because I'm sort of sad I didn't get to listen to these albums a second time. But mostly, ah oh man, Bell and Sebastian, glad you still existed. Someone's paying you because there's so many other bands that get paid for like way worse music than what you're doing. Um, I know. It, I mean, they could like keep making these like played out albums, trying to bring in like all the like popular 
early 2000s, mid 2010s fucking producers that are known for reviving really bad pop acts careers. Whoa. Or or Bob Rock. Just bringing in Bob Rock to do the production and then starting a cruise and like, (laughs) you know, like buying a NASCAR sponsorship. Uh, and just, I guess what I'm really saying is Bell and Sebastian is in no way worse than 311, even at their worst point. No. That's where we're at. Oh, yeah. We're totally we're there. there. The last three albums of Bell and Sebastian is better than 311. <laughs> That's fucked. So, yeah, that's crazy talk. It's accurate, but, but it's yeah, fucked. The last, I'm not going to argue the, with it all, but... The last decade talk. of Bell and Sebastian is not worse than 311. So <laughs> I don't have to talk about the earlier stuff because I think we can make the assumption, but... This is the, be- this, this is the best album and band that sounds like Adventure Time getting lost on a 311 cruise. Not worse than 311. That's my song. That's my Bell and Sebastian song. It's called Not Worse Than 311. I like that song. Not Worse Than 311. It's going to be real quiet on that. All right. Wait. Make sure we get a clean copy of that. So we... <laughs> well, what's the... There you go. Where That's my Bell and Sebastian impersonation. Do you like it? There we go. No. It's a little weak. I need to practice it. You, have, you need more lisp. Pop. You need a little more lisp. I think I got plenty of ways. Thank you very much. I think I'm expressing too much. Depends on the career. Let me turn on the drum machine. Where's my theremin? We need more theremin. Oh my god. We always need more theremin. Uh, yeah, so we're all in agreement. Not worse than 311 because it just it's not. That's it. That was it. I'm sure some 311 fans are like, fuck what? This wussy shit? I can't even fucking grind on a fucking half pipe to this. I'm surfing. I'm supposed to grind my rail while smoking my ball. Imagine someone listening to our podcast who's an actual 311 fan and then being like, you guys like that? (laughs) Yo, I think actually... What's his fucking name? There's a homie on fucking Twitter that, uh, what's the Twitter handle? I want to shout out the Twitter handle. Uh, Jarvis loves you. What up, Jarvis? Who fucks with us. And I, and I think Jarvis actually likes, likes 311 and I dig that so hard. Yeah, dude. Good on him. Also, thanks for listening and you're dope. And also, I, that's what, I think our podcast is meant to be not mean spirited. Like, I think we've gone the right. it's meant to. Well, we're saying I mean, like, they're like overly mean spirited on purpose. Well, no, I know, but I, what I'm saying though is that at first, like we were just like fuck these shitty bands, and now we've sort of been going after our own people. But we're like also saying that 311 isn't the worst band. Like we've no, already we've already true. attributed that. Like, sure, but like <laughs> sometimes the three, like we, the three of us, I think have evolved, like evolved and developed around one another, and like. The people know what we all like. Like you guys at the beginning of this were like, of course Robert picked fucking Bell and Sebastian. So <laughs> well, like, you know, so it's different than when, when you just have shit on the on the music podcast and it's just like, what do these guys even like? They just hate a lot of shit. Like now they're like, oh, this man likes Twee and he likes pop rock and like, what I mean, yeah, you know? So I'm going to talk shit about everything though. I'm going to be mean. Yeah, well, that, well. That's you. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's your that's your and persona. I wanna, 
And I want to emo around you really aggressively, just like emo a lot. Like, oh, it's emotional Fair. lyrics. You don't like it? <laughs> Fair. Hey, did you guys know that the Beatles all died in 1960? Shut up. Is that what this man is saying? He's still going on. Oh, my God. Well, Harry, did you see this Twitter fight? No, did I didn't know there was a fight going hilarious. on. I would jump on that shit. There's some uh, some jackass. I posted something about, I said, like, uh, Paul McCartney's career was better than Paul McCartney's anyway. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, all of a sudden, we got this conspiracy quack who, like, doesn't get the fact that we literally don't give a shit about Paul McCartney or the Beatles or that I don't, you know, or like, I like the Beatles. I like the oh, Beatles. Dude, don't I, get me wrong. Yeah, but, some like, of my I favorite albums. Developed opinion. But like, I, I will still talk shit all day long. Yeah, I don't want to fucking, I don't get it. It's like 2022. I don't give a yeah. shit about the Beatles, man. I'm almost 40. I don't care anymore. They made what they made and uh, half their career, they just ripped off black American artists. Yep. So kind of fuck them. And homeboy, and, uh, Paul was dead, so. No point. I've just looked through your followers. Lots of bots and dead accounts there. You get one of your followers to retweet that Bruce Springsteen that of mine. I'll tell you more. Like, what, dude? Why are you? I I know that that my account looks like a bot account, but also, like, are you covered in bot accounts? Because, like, brother, what is your deal? I probably am. Yeah, I I don't know who those 500 fucking followers are. I don't know where those people came from. Are you kidding me? I've had this account since 2016. Joseph it's gone from being McCafferty. a. It probably is. Is he a bot? Fuck Why has he got his whole name out there, dude? Joseph McCafferty. Fucking, I have no idea. Don't care. I literally didn't use this account until last year for like three years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's super funny. Like he's got nothing. He's just angry for no fucking reason that we don't like Bruce Springsteen or we do like Bruce Springsteen. I don't get it. Bruce Springsteen is dead, and they replaced him with an imposter. And it doesn't matter why; he just wants everyone to know the truth. Like, and so are the Beatles. The whole, I not just Paul McCartney, like the whole squad. This man is unhinged. But whatever. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Twitter, bless it. I'm I. Someone someone says something on this thing, and then I look to see where it originated from, and I'm like, why are you what? <laughs> Just why? Whatever. Um, I'm uh, like, yeah, it's a so, but I didn't know that Bruce Springsteen got was replaced. Now you know because I don't like Bruce know. Springsteen. I don't like it though. I don't care. Yeah, I could give him. What? It, and all of the Beatles, <laughs> like John Lennon, died and then got died again. Like, dude, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of dying. Oh, people that spend their time on Twitter like that is just, like, really interesting to me. Like, I mean, I think I asked the man, I was like, why do you exist? Like, you're interesting, but, like, why or how? What is the point? Like, spread the gospel of Bruce Springsteen is actually yeah. Bruce Sprongstone? You know, like, I don't, why do I care? Our Lord and Savior, Bruce I mean, if he had to, if he tied it to something cool, like, anti-capitalist or, like, you know, he's like, oh, you know what? They've replaced Bruce Springsteen because if they don't have a Bruce Springsteen, then that album won't come out about the suburbs. And it's not really about the suburbs, but it's actually about alien technology removing you from your ability to have agency in society. Like, dude, come up with something interesting about why I fucking care Bruce Springsteen isn't Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) Right. Jeez Louise. Hello. So, anyways, 
Uh, Twitter sucks. Follow us on Twitter. Follow all three of us. All three of us have our Twitters. There's a kid. Hey, there's a kid. Perry's got a kid. Perry's getting out of here. He's got a kid. Oh, yeah. That's what's up. We, we're going to be on a, a podcast. So you could listen to us. We're on a podcast. This is the podcast. Listen to Spotify. Listen on uh, Apple Music. If you don't like Spotify, listen on other places. I know there's other places. I don't know what they are. It doesn't matter. Uh, merchandise, website, uh, Trash Pit City. Is it worse than 311.com? Or is it worse than.com? Fucking uh, Pig Crack Records, even. Uh, next week, we're doing our end of the month roundup. It's my birthday. Is oh your birthday? God. That's awesome. Do you know what album uh, you wanted to feature? No, I'll, I'll look into okay. it. We got, we got, we got a. I mean, a bunch of albums just came out on Friday, and there will probably be some on Friday before our next episode too to consider. So we should look at that though. Yeah. Well, I've been distracted. So that's fair. Well, let's next see us next uh, week on Three Eleven likes music a lot. Except that was a really good outro. Bad right? music. <laughs> bad. Did really we get that good. clean so we could just except like for that, you know, except play for that at the, the end no matter what? We don't like the last three found smashing albums. <laughs> I could totally sample that so we can just use it again and again. Yeah, yeah. I won't, but I can. 100 albums. Bye. 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 Thank you.